So back in 2020, I, Steven Schinder, started a podcast called Delayed Replay, recapping and reviewing the latest films. However, it got broadcast into an alternate universe, where those films got delayed and came out differently from how I was describing them. Because of how me and my guests had been describing the films, people in that other universe were saying that this was all an improvised comedy podcast, which, listening back, I can totally get why they believe that. A lot of weird stuff happened in that first year, and I even met my other self from that other universe, who pops in from time to time, for better or worse. And now, in the year 2023, this podcast continues, still recapping and reviewing movies and sometimes some other things that got delayed or cancelled in that other universe. New episode Saturdays, every other week, unless I decide otherwise for some special reason, or whatever. You are listening to Delayed Replay, Season 4. Hello everyone, before starting this Coyote vs. Acme episode, just wanted to let y'all know that after that discussion, about an hour and ten-ish minutes in, give or take, there will be a non-spoiler review of the Adam Sandler animated movie Leo, and then Good Burger 2, non-spoilers before going into spoilers, so check the timestamps and enjoy the show. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Delayed Replay, that podcast where we recap and review movies that got delayed or canceled in that other universe but came out on time or at all in our universe. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Schinder, and joining me to talk about this movie that in that other universe was canceled, but then they said they reversed the decision and are shopping it around now or something. Uh, it is Max. How's your afternoon going? I guess it's afternoon for you. Now, it right? is afternoon. It's late afternoon, kind of mid mid afternoon, about three three p.m. here. But um, yeah, it's been going good. Just been watching Trailer Park Boys and <laughs> getting on with some drawing. Yeah, that's that's about a standard afternoon for me, I think, at this point. How how is that show? Because like. I feel like it's not my type of show, but I don't know if I'm like missing out on anything it's, or what. It's one of those things where you kind of start it and you think this is this is going to be awful, but then the <laughs> more you watch it, the more you realize that it's absolute genius and that they're like playing. You you know what I mean? Like it's that kind of show where it's like, oh, this is actually really really smart. Yeah, got um, it. It's Stockholm syndrome, and you're gaslighting it, yourself. Well, no, it's it's more like it's <laughs> so on the nose that it becomes clever again because there's like a sort of irony to 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 what a lot of the characters are saying and and how they present themselves. And I think it's oh, I think it's really wonderful, uh, and and really wholesome in a way, in a really strange way. Uh, yeah, I remember re- somewhat recently I made a post saying there should be a live action Ed, Ed and Eddie where they're <laughs> older and like and like they have jobs but they're depressed. Like Eddie works in the candy store but has to take care of Ed because he can't like do anything on his own while Double D is like having a successful uh 
life because he's a genius and my friend mr multiverse was like that's just trailer park boys yeah yeah it does that does sound a lot like trailer park boys to be fair yeah uh, but but there's <laughs> been uh recently there's been like a fan-made uh youtube series where the ads are like in their late teens like senior year of high school and oh, so it's a, okay. a little bit more mature it's called peach creek and the okay. vibes in it like it, it's kind of reminiscent of twin peaks in a couple places and just that the is ambience. not like a it, combination i was expecting no yeah but it's it's so cool like so far there are only a couple shorts and a full like 10 minute segment or however long a normal episode is but like it's so good. I like I watched it like uh three nights in a row when I discovered it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just looking it up now. It looks it looks wonderful actually. I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, the animation style kind of reminds me of the music videos for the gorillas. Mmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm getting I'm getting a little bit of that vibe myself. Yeah. But there is a dream sequence where it goes back to that classic Ed, Ed and Eddie style and it looks on point. But, yeah, um, okay. but yeah, so animation. Uh, so we're talking yeah, about okay, the, seg the segue, the segue, yeah, into... the, the, the segue, um, <laughs> the seg, as I the originally thought it was pronounced when I first read mm. it as a kid. Yes, the seg. Yeah, let's see. Get into the into the into the movie that we're um, actually meant to be talking about. Um, right. So we're talking about uh, Coyote versus Acme, which when I was typing it on the schedule of episodes, I was like, oh, it doesn't look too different from Captain America. You know, the fourth one, which was the previous episode that came out before this. OK. Um, but yeah, this is uh, in our universe, the ninth uh, Looney Tunes live action type movie. Uh, so for those who, I don't know if you're new to the podcast, like there was Space Jam, Space Jam 2, Spy Jam, uh, Looney Tunes Pack in Action, Race Jam, Skate Jam, uh, Marvin the Martian, you know, that holiday movie, <laughs> Space Jam, A New Legacy, and now Coyote versus Acme. Yeah. That's a hell of a lot of, uh, that's quite a, quite a, uh, franchise we've got going there with the live action Looney Tunes stuff. Yeah. And this Gosh. one, yeah. In that other universe, uh, Warner brothers, like we're going to cancel it, you know, do the tax write off thing they do there. Mm -hmm. But apparently there, my other self has been telling me there are reports that like, they're reversing the decision and going to shop it around. And I, apparently earlier there was a post about how like um, people are investigating Warner Brothers and their decisions to do this type yeah. of thing. Oh, absolutely. So, I think that's it, I think that's absolutely a worth, worthwhile investigation to be made because <laughs> they're just they're just uh, I mean, it's every other, you know, movie that they've got in the pipeline now. It's just it's a tax write-off now um we we can just uh you know claim the money back and it's more than it's going to make at the box office which i mean in fairness probably true 
Yeah, uh, there's this very apt comparison that it's like burning down a building for the insurance money. Exactly. No, no, absolutely. I think that's that's the perfect comparison, right? I was I was reading the the article that came. I think there was an article that came out maybe yesterday um, that, that that I was reading uh, just just to get some background on this, and uh, it, it was it was saying how like uh, a lot of the people involved with this movie are talking about how like <laughs> how much they love it and how much they they really want it to be released, um, and that they don't like the association with the 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 Batgirl film which you know everyone's come out and said that you know that was that was rubbish anyway and and of course that's all a studio ploy to to, yeah, to it, it, people that... into into being okay with the fact that they they wrote off a movie for for tax purposes um but yeah they there's there's almost this like this they're trying to dissociate this case from from that one i yeah, in that other universe, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, in yeah, in that other universe, that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's fascinating that movie companies like it's, it's gotten to a point where, for for the sake of the bottom line, they will not. It it benefits them more to not release movies than it does to <laughs> release them. <laughs> Like, I don't know how true this is, but I saw this uh, post from that other universe that, like, Batgirl was Warner Brothers' most profitable DC movie of the year because <laughs> the others that came out this year over there didn't make that much. Oh, interesting. So it really overshadowed the uh, the, <laughs> the, other, the, the other DC films. Right, but um, what's your history with uh, with Wiley Coyote and I guess the Roadrunner character, and I guess Looney Tunes in general? Like, what are your early memories of Looney Tunes, if any? See, yeah, no, you asked me this for Mario as well, and I was just kind of like, yeah, no, it's it's something that's always been there, right? But I'm not personally, not got that much of a connection to it. I, I always liked the the Wiley Coyote bits in particular, though. That was probably my favorite Looney Tunes character, just because it was kind of so relentlessly kind of silly. And this 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 coyote, poor coyote, never never getting his uh, never getting ru the road runner, never always getting so close, but uh, never quite makes it. But then that's like a classic uh, cartoon setup, right? The the Tom and Jerry's and the and the Sylvester and the Tweety is it is is that it? Tweet, Tweety yeah. Bird? Yeah. Yeah. It gets yeah. to the point where you kind of feel sorry for the ones who are doing the hunting, and it's like the yeah. ones who get away. It's like just die already. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. How about yourself, Stephen? Where where does that? Um... Have you got a big Looney Tunes connection or? Yeah, well, you know, as a little kid, I watched the original Space Jam a lot. And ah. uh, we also had like a couple of VHS tapes that had Looney Tunes, like cartoons and whatnot. And one of them was specifically like a Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner collection. Uh, I can't oh. remember um, if it like what the title of it was. It was probably like 
the cool. Uh, it probably had collection or highlights or best stuff in the title. So it's just almost that. like a, a compilation. Video yeah, yeah. Of, of, yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, best, and that... Roadrunner best moments. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty fun. I remember one of the segments on there was actually uh, Wally Coyote trying to get Bugs Bunny. And the Coyote like, could talk in that one. He had like a oh, sort of fancy uh way of speak like he sounded like an intellectual <laughs> <laughs> almost almost as if that's like uh the 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 coyote in that case is meant to stand in for like the higher higher classes chasing after the little man or, or, or something along those lines yeah <laughs> also <laughs> like weird. yeah also like years a few years ago when um like I think I was with my brother and we had visited our dad and stepmom when we mm. were driving away from Arizona, we saw roadrunners um, like outside and they're so much smaller than I ever imagined. Like right after having like watched these roadrunner cartoons, you know? Yeah. Cause they're basically about the same size, aren't they? The coyote and the, the roadrunner. So you presume when you see a real roadrunner, that that'd be the same size as a coyote. <laughs> but yeah, hang on, but what what is the what is the size difference? I wonder. The roadrunners that I saw looked as small as like normal sized chickens. Like I was like really yeah. shocked. <laughs> yeah, it's just about uh, 50, 52 to sixty two centimeters long, and then the wingspan is about about the same as that it seems like so yeah not not like not tiny birds but not massive either yeah centimeters how much is on inches uh about 20 to 24 inches long okay let's yeah, look up i'm gonna look up a coyote coyote size I like how educational this show is. Oh, yeah, we're getting really educational. <laughs> so coyotes usually are about 1.2 meters long, or which is about four feet. So, yeah. You, okay. You, roughly double double the, the length. Not, I mean, I think height-wise, height-wise, it looks like they're just about taller. But but not by much, but but lengthwise, about double. So, okay. Yeah, significantly larger. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember in the Looney Tunes show, the one that aired in like the early 2010s, where like the characters lived in the suburbs, and it felt kind of like yeah. Seinfeld. Like I loved that. I show. think I watched that one. Yeah. No. No, I did like that one. Yeah. Yeah, but they would also include like these CGI shorts about the Wiley Coyote trying to get the Roadrunner. So you had like your oh, classic yeah, feel. Yeah, you had your classic Looney Tunes feel there just in like 3D animation. Yeah, that was really now now that you're you're saying that, I'm thinking, gosh, that was that was kind of weird, wasn't it? Yeah, that's a core memory or something. Well, yeah, you've just unlocked that 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 memory for me. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I I I remembered there being Roadrunner bits in it, but I didn't remember there being it being the 
the um, CGI stuff, but now that you're saying it, it's like, oh yeah. Yeah, it's oh. like someone ordering a soup and being like, I remember Roadrunner bits in it, but yeah, CGI yeah, stuff. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Weird. It just <laughs> tasted a little off. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. British cuisine, am I right? No, I'm kidding. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so the premise of Coyote versus Acme, and obviously this is the version we saw in our universe, which is different from mm. however it's going to be in that other universe, if it ever gets released or unreleased or whatever. Mm. Um, but the basic premise uh, is that uh, Wally Coyote, you know, his attempts at using Acme's products to catch a Roadrunner have backfired. So now he's suing the Acme Corporation. Uh, his lawyer is put by Will Forte, and the head of the Acme Corporation is none other than John Cena. Du, 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 du. <laughs> Which, I mean, in that other universe is kind of appropriate because it's like he can't see him. So for a little while... <laughs> People are like, oh, we can't see this movie, you know. It's it's the it's the nameless, faceless head of the the, the corporation. <laughs> yeah. He's an invisible, unseen power. <laughs> yeah. For much of the movie, they do like the James Bond Blofeld thing, where he talks, but you only see like below the neck. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's so obviously John Cena because how could you have John Cena talk and not know that it was immediately know that it was John Cena? Yeah, no, I, I so the the reading of I wasn't really sold on this film until I read about the premise and the premise just sounds wonderful, like doing doing like a Looney Tunes courtroom drama. That I mean, unless they did it like the B movie, but. There was a little bit of that in Race Jam, but this like really mm. like exploits that to the fullest. Oh, um, absolutely. Like it feels very, I mean, they even, you know, when Wally Coyote is trying to interview people to become his attorney, like we get cameos from people like Bob Odenkirk and uh, Charlie Cox who played Daredevil. So, you know, these mm. actors known for playing iconic lawyers. But no, he ends up going with Will Forte for some yeah. reason. No, yeah. I mean, he's the best. Only right. the finest. And also I mean, more it, affordable, it, it, I guess. It also it also seems like why you cast like just Will Forte in everything is like could have you could have gone so much better than this, but <laughs> with Will Forte. Okay, sure. Yeah. Oh, Tatiana Maslany was one of the other lawyers as well. But yeah. <laughs> okay. Interesting. What do you think of the blending of animation and uh, live action in this particular film? Yeah. So I, I um, there's a long, there's a long history of it. <laughs> there's a long history of blending live action with 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 uh, 2D animation. Of course, you've got um. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Perfect example of it. That that just kind of. I mean, Roger Rabbit is one of those cases where it 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 both invented that subgenre and also perfected it at the same time. And it 
it it really does feel like any any imitation of that any kind of well anything within that subgenre is going to be inevitably trying to imitate Roger Rabbit um and because it's the gold standard of course um but it it also very much feels like anything that that tries to imitate that doesn't quite reach that uh pedestal <laughs> get what i mean yeah i don't know if it's because i didn't watch roger rabbit as a kid but mm. like i've always preferred space jam by a bit right. and but i i'm probably in the minority there or maybe it's a generational thing so like i don't know well i mean that's fair enough if you got like a personal connection to a to a movie of course that's gonna i i watched I think I must have seen Space Jam as a kid, but it never—it was never one of those films that 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 uh, really uh, took me in 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 that sense. Uh, I just like from purely from an animation standpoint, though, I think it, it's really hard to claim that any of those films do it better than 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 Roger Rabbit does. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I don't know, I. For for a genre that that and, and is talking about animation here, for a genre that that seems to want to that 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 is so inventive and so creative and and so boundary pushing, it it seems a little bit weird that that we're stuck in the same cycle of of uh, you know essentially doing the same same kind of movie. Uh, it's it's refreshing though to 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 have like a slightly different play on that formula, not just doing Space Jam again, for example. Right, which was a big complaint for Space Jam too, because it was like <laughs> incomprehensible mess yeah. of a movie that that just no one no one enjoyed. I didn't watch it. I'm I'm I spared myself the the sanity. Um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I, I think it looks pretty good here, but there are moments where I'm like, OK, I can tell that like these characters aren't actually in the room, like the eye contact is not quite aligning. So mm. I, I think there are like little things here and there where it's like slightly off enough that you notice that it's off. Um it's like they're so close yet not quite there. But I also kind of wonder if they keep doing this type of thing because they're like, oh, people love animation, but there are also some people who don't take it seriously uh, and they prefer live action remakes and stuff like that. So it's like, why not blend the two? And I kind of wonder if they keep doing that to like combine those two different audiences, you know? Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. Um, I I wonder whether it is two separate audiences, though. Like, really, I, I guess the I guess the live action parts are meant to bring in more like older audiences, supposedly. Because you're right, there there is that big kind of chunk of people that don't want to take animation seriously um, as a genre in and of itself, but. It, it does very much feel like in a lot of these cases that they are trying to make children's movies anyway, and that the primary audience is is younger and and is usually children. 
um, I guess live action does broaden the appeal. Um, yeah. I wonder yeah. whether that's significant enough that it that it really matters that much. Because I think nowadays there is less stigma uh, against adults watching animated films. I think it I think it's becoming more and more common, uh, which is a good thing. I don't think it's fully accepted, but I do think it's becoming more common. Yeah, and there is a fine line, you know, like there are like older people who grew up with Looney Tunes as well. So it's like you, they probably want to draw some of those people in too. But yeah, like the whole animation stigma thing, like it's felt like a generational thing. You know, uh, I'm a millennial. Uh, I think you're mm. Gen Z or Gen yeah, Z. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever yeah, I'm a little bit right? younger. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I think I am the generation after you <laughs> yeah and we take animation seriously but like i know people of like gen x and uh like the baby boomer generation who are like oh that's just a cartoon you know they'll say that but i do mm. recall back in college um someone who was around my age was like oh yeah i don't watch the star wars cartoons they're too childish uh, when really like if they, if they watched the Clone Wars, because that's what they were referring to, like the Clone Wars and Rebels, yeah. I guess. There are like some deep moments and also some violent moments in the Clone Wars case sometimes. So yeah. uh, I do think there are like some people here and there who are younger who oh, also I, I, have that thought. But absolutely, yeah. there's holdouts for sure. No, there's holdouts. And, and I think a large reason why uh, animation that that stigma against animation is becoming uh, less less palpable, maybe not in, not um, disappearing per se, but but less apparent is things like anime, where they are like these things that are it, a lot of it is like expressly made for older audiences. The you know the more violent, the, they've got more sexual themes. Um, so I think in general the popularity boom of that within the West has has changed opinions in some regards as to what animation can do and, and what it's capable of. Uh, though I do find that generally talking to the people that, that watch anime, there is a hesitance against Western cartoons, right? The the because right, that's yeah. seen as oh no, those ones are the kids' ones. These ones are for <laughs> adults. Those ones are for kids. And it's like, well, a lot of cases, not really. And, yeah, and family by no means is that everyone. But there's there's yeah oh yeah no absolutely. You know, there's case there's plenty of cases of those comedy cartoons um, in here in the West. But it it does. I mean. <sighs> It is hard to think of of Western animation that is intended for adults but isn't comedy. Like it, it's really rare. There isn't there isn't much of it, um, and really it's just kind of scattered kind of art house films here and there. Um, yeah, remember, that's a good point. Yeah, I remember briefly when. Um, you remember Silux who used to come to the sci-fi and horror screenings, right? Yeah. Oh, you you would have remembered the the animation club, right? That we tried to set that up and it wouldn't wouldn't oh, come yeah. together. Yeah. So when we when one of the weeks because we just ran it unofficially, 
um, one of the weeks we wanted to do like an adult animation week, like and and show like a a a, a, a like a fifteen rated film, and we were looking through the list of films that were like fifteen rated, um, or R rated, I suppose. Um, animated films and there was just like a handful of them there was maybe like 15 uh, that we could find it, and it was just really strange to to see i mean the only two i can remember off the top of my head are uh, the the two uh rotoscoped link later films waking life and uh god uh a scanner darkly if you've seen those oh yeah which are really kind of you know art house very strange movies um both of which have alex jones in them as as a cameo appearance which is really bizarre (laughs) Uh, yeah no genuinely seeing seeing a scene in which keanu reeves looks at alex jones and then alex jones is giving a speech and then it's like what (laughs) and then he gets taken away by the cops it's like it's like yeah oh no honestly it's like alex jones's nightmare scenario Right. <laughs> oh, by well, by nightmare scenario, I mean the the exact scenario that he's purporting is the truth. Um, <laughs> but no, it's. Um, I think it's interesting just how just how um, how much that doesn't really have as much of a market, to be honest. Yeah, and I somewhat recently made a post about like how pe- people don't take animation as seriously. And so a friend of mine commented that it's very American-centric uh, to say that because it's not like that in some other countries. So I guess there are mm. some countries where animation is taken a lot more seriously, in which case... Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, I, 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 which countries are these? I want to check them out. <laughs> I think you look at, like, French animation as well. The The French, like... There's some wonderful French animated films out there that, um, you know, especially kind of, there's a few really good stop motion ones. Um, My Life is a Courgette, which I think is called My My Life is a Zucchini in in American. Uh, Uh, Sounds like Pickle Rick, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's nothing about that, but it's a really lovely stop motion film, which I feel like isn't, necessarily tar- targeted at kids uh, a town called panic is a really funny one as well um uh, trying to think oh my mind's gone blank there's a lot of really good french ones um that you know they're not like uh, ex- explicitly targeted at adults but at the same time it's kind of that more um like grounded, grounded approach to, to to animation, but I think primarily when people say that they're talking about Japan, um, and I think that's fine. But um, J- Japan is not the only place that can do that. Right. Yeah. But it shouldn't be the only place where you can do that. Yeah. Just yeah, animation supremacy just like needs to be spread across. across across what the heck across the globe absolutely um, yeah. i mean i'm a little biased on on that point but i i absolutely agree yeah just a little <laughs> uh 
But yeah, like this movie opened up with like classic Wally Coyote and Roadrunner antics. You know, he's chasing the Roadrunner. I uh, tried using a giant mace from the Acme Corporation. But of course, it fell on his face and he fell off a cliff, which is what starts this whole court case thing. Um, like that sequence was 2D animation for a bit until gradually, like, the the like uh what's it called the like desert landscape like became more and more live action like mm. we went from 2d to 3d and then live action and so um after that segment um you know when we see a coyote like fail is when he gets he thrusts himself into like more of a live action um, medium, you know, with the core case thing that goes on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I love that 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 approach to kind of uh, pulling pulling back the curtain in a way. It's um, it's something that's been done done plenty of times before, but um, you know, the the whole the the the, the dissolve from the from the um, that that two D animated landscape into the into the live action desert, as you said, it's uh, it, it does have this. It's it's it sets a very fun kind of tone. It's it's playful. It 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 kind of it 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 it, it says we're not really taking reality too seriously, right? It's it's cartoons in the real world. Uh, it it felt appropriate for this film. Right. Like there is like some court drama stuff, but there are moments of levity in between all of that. Like when Wally Coyote goes bowling with some of the Looney Tunes gang and like he tries uh, throwing the ball, but it ends up like flying up and falling on his face. So, you know, he like sinks down into the floorboards in a cartoony manner. So, you know, just classic Looney Tunes gags. Yeah, you need you need some scenes like that. I mean, I was half expecting the, him. He was going to look at the ball, and it was going to say acne on the ball, and it was going to be a whole another development in the in the court case. But um, no, they 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 didn't they didn't go with that. No. Yeah. It, instead, it turns out that the acme logo was on the rugby ball when <laughs> they were playing rugby in that one sequence. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a bit strange. I mean, you know, we don't need sports scenes in in uh, in every one of these movies. You know, just because yeah, we it started kinda... with Space Jam, <laughs> it seems yeah, like an off, a bit of a weird offshoot to try and push the 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 rugby jam. Yeah, um, it feels like they're clinging to that for the sake of tradition. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um did you ever play rugby or like no no Um, i wasn't a sports not a sports guy unfortunately yeah not a uh, or maybe fortunately because you know maybe fortunately yeah no, 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 no. no not a not a not an outdoors person i'm inside right now i like it here yeah Inside Out 2, am I right? Inside Out 2, why not? <laughs> that should be... Going the, back in. That should be the, um, what's it called? The, um, 
the tagline on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> why not? <laughs> Inside out shit, why not? Why not? We're doing another one. <laughs> I mean, that was my it reaction. <laughs> That was my reaction when I saw a little teaser for like a Terminator anime that yeah. was gonna be on Netflix, and my reaction oh, was yeah. like I typed "sigh, sure, why not?" Sure, yeah, that's what we're doing. I, yeah, I, but but I, I mean, I imagined it in your voice because I remember I remember you <laughs> reacted that way to something else a long time ago. <laughs> I think that's most of my reactions to to you know big big blockbuster you know franchise stuff it's just like i don't whatever i don't have the energy to inside out 2 is an interesting case though i it, it i mean it's just going to create a hell of a lot of plot holes for the first movie right cuz they I had mean, a bunch of like they were going into the mind of like all the adults and and the adults only had like the five emotions as well and so Hang on, how how are you gonna add new emotions if the adults in the last one already only had five? What's going on? What's going yeah. on? Maybe I mean, they'll they'll it's add a like the in, I know it's a sequel. They need they need new stuff. Yeah, maybe they'll touch on incel culture and show like the emotions in those people. <laughs> those are the seven those are the seven emotions. Joy, sadness uh disgust fear uh, uh anger what's the the next one's like anxiety right which or sadness or something or i don't know there's a there's another one the the new one looks like it's going to be anxiety but then that's yeah. just kind of fear yeah it kind of feels like they're blending the lot blurring the lines yeah. of like um yeah i don't know like why do we need why do we need that? <laughs> I don't think we do. But but, but hey, speaking of being inside of people, mm -hmm. Osmosis Jones, another blend of animation. <laughs> Osmosis Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. I just know I just know that it's a thing. Awesome. Yeah, and what? it's just it's an amazing title, by the way. That that like ten out of ten for the title. That is an amazing Anything yeah. makes me want to watch that film. It's it's just the fact that it's called Osmosis Jones. Oh yeah. my god. Some of the stills although, from this thing. Although story-wise, like content-wise, I would say the animated series sequel, Ozzy and Drix, was better. Like, in Osmosis Jones, the animated parts are great, but the live-action parts are just like gross out comedy and it's oh like, gotcha uh, and like bill murray plays a character that you just can't root for because he's so terrible so it's like why even save the city within this person mm -hmm. if he's so terrible you know did they steal the character designs from osmosis jones for uh elemental <laughs> i don't know but i saw they look movies. very similar <laughs> they look very similar <laughs> yeah looking at the characters i'm like this looks like elemental yeah elemental was fine like i wish i would had explored more of like the city and the lore mm -hmm. of that but eh, it was fine. i think i liked it more than inside out because like really <laughs> yeah like i don't know if everyone just overhyped <laughs> it's inside a hot take. Out. 
But Maybe, yeah. Yeah, it's also kind of an emotionally manipulative film in a way, which sure, I guess is easy yeah. to say because of the premise, but yeah. I saw um, a I I I saw um the editor of Inside Out talk um back at uh, Santa Cruz last year and uh, he 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 seemed to have a lot of interesting things to say all of which I have forgotten but um yeah edited Inside Out and up um but the whole the whole process on it it's like they they reverse engineer those films in a way like they animate them while they're editing them and and vice versa right instead of you know just doing everything and then editing at the end so mm. there's there's kind of these they they kind of cycle through the movie making the movie over and over and then working out how to edit it while they're while they're putting it together which is a really strange way to approach things. I don't know that it it produces. I mean, it it makes sense given the given the medium, but um, I don't know that it produces something that that is significantly different from the way that we watch live action narratives, for example, which are, you know, have to be shot and then edited. Um, in that kind of linear fashion, but yeah, the weird thing about animation is they kind of do pre-production, production, and post-production. Kind of it all, it all those processes kind of all merge together, which I I find quite interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, <laughs> what it is? <laughs> <laughs> you just sounded so uninterested by it. <laughs> it, it's morning where i am i'm still drinking no oh yeah okay 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 it's, it's tired yeah i get you okay how about the sequence where the there uh wily coyote ends up on hollywood boulevard and there's there's all the um there's oh all yeah the, the, talk people about dressed that. up as the 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 um in in looney tunes costumes and he's 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 chasing after a after a man in a in a road suit <laughs> yeah, it was so bizarre because it's like, is this going to help his court case or is this just some random subplot that they're like yeah. throwing in here? No, like, there was a lot of kind of random antics in there, wasn't there? Yeah, like the suit looked very much like what someone would wear at Six Flags Magic Mountain. Absolutely. Um, that's, which... a, that's a Six Flags suit for sure. Yeah, which also has like an appearance in the movie where he's like chasing the roadrunner on like a roller coaster. <laughs> it's just so bizarre. Uh, yeah, absolutely disastrous. Yeah, but on Hollywood Boulevard, it's like the camera would like annoyingly stay like, you know, it would follow the coyote but it would also like pan down like showing the stars on the hollywood walk of fame like just mm. see all these celebrity names and it's like why do we need to see all of these and you can tell that these these tiles are, are digital because like if this were the real hollywood <laughs> yeah. walk of fame it would be a little bit dirty like there might be like Absolutely. i don't know a piece of chewed up gum or something so 
it just looked yeah. too clean you know it's a it, it is a dirty street it is not a nice street to walk down <laughs> but yeah it's like the it's like the cameraman ran out of batteries we're all the way down pan all the way down i'm out of charge yeah <laughs> i was kind of surprised that they um included the scum and villainy like the star wars themed cantina in this uh, yeah, like, yeah 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 he chased the road runner or the person the road runner suit through that and like everyone just like looked all confused but like you How could also get the right yeah but, like yeah. this had to be like a little collaboration or something yeah but, um, must like, have had some sort of deal going on. Yeah, and like the people in this bar were like looking around in confusion, but like you could tell that those are extras who just don't know where the animated character is going to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's that effect, right? The the eyeline, like you were saying earlier, the eyeline's just a little bit off, and, and, and when it's just a little bit off, it, it doesn't, doesn't quite work. You know, and it's nothing on the animators. They're probably working on really tight deadlines i'm sure right well he ends up eating the person in the in the suit like while they're in the suit mm. uh, like ju just in one bite and oh it was then... surprisingly surprisingly violent for a for a, a film of this genre <laughs> i didn't quite expect there to be so much um pain and and, and misery you know, and then that comes up in the court case with the, um, you know, they've got witnesses against uh, Wiley Coyote, and it it, it all goes downhill yeah. from there. Yeah, and he's got a stomach ache throughout all this, and then he <laughs> he realizes like and the he's only way. Up feathers. <laughs> yeah, the only way to save face is by throwing up. So like he goes to the <laughs> he calls for a recess, goes to the bathroom, beats himself up, and until he's able to vomit the person out, which I feel like that scene was an homage to Liar Liar, the Jim Carrey movie. You ever yeah, seen that? Yeah, yeah, no, very much so, I think, yes. Yeah, and Jim Carrey even walks out of the stall like, to, and washes his hands as, like, first time, huh? And just walks mm. out. A little cameo there. And what did you think about the, so at the end, when the when the star witness comes in, and it's none other than, you know. Oh yeah, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. God. Yeah. That was that was quite the moment, you know. Star witness Tom Cruise kind of stands there and he smiles and he, you know, with his with his middle tooth grin. Yeah. So he walks in. You know, the camera does like a slow motion. Well, he before he comes in to the courtroom itself. You see him like climbing up the building because the courtroom is like <laughs> inside of a skyscraper. But it's it's a must it's a must figure, right? You, we don't know we don't see who it is. Oh yeah, he has like one of those masks that looks like a generic human. Um, and then when he after he climbs up the building and then goes into the courtroom, he takes off the mask and it's him. So it feels very Mission Impossible, but also like. Looney Tunes back in action did that as well. Right, because the, the Acme Corporation had uh, had locked him out of the uh, of the building, right? We see him earlier trying to get into the building, and they they're like they they've uh, 
you know, he's he's in the mask, so right, we don't we don't see his face, but they they're they're turning him away, and they don't want him to come in um, because they've resorted to these kind of these these dodgy tactics, you know, these uh, unlawful means of of getting their way because they know that Wiley Coyote is on on the verge. Uh, Wiley Coyote and, and Will Forty, they're 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 so close to to being able to just get him, you know. Yeah, and so when Tom Cruise finally gets into the courtroom, he reveals how uh, Mission Impossible, you know, his movies <laughs> at some point tried using Acme products uh, to do <laughs> certain stunts, but they like fell in their face and like set the budget back a bit and uh, caused some accidents on set. And they, so. they lost five stuntmen. <laughs> yeah. And that's why he does all. And they show stunts. that compilation, and it's 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 hilarious. The I mean, very violent, but um, really yeah. funny. Lots of car crashes, lots of you know rope that's that's splitting in two. Yeah, and it this montage is throughout all the different Mission Impossible movies being made. So like they de-aged Tom Cruise for some of these, and it's noticeable and off-putting and it's like man you should just not do that but i've another big takeaway is that why would they keep trying to attempt using acme products during each of these mission impossible movies right and 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 that's what john cena tries to say you know when when he we hear the 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 um tom cruise testimony but uh it's it's by that point it's too much right it's 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 this the evidence is too overwhelming to even even consider what what um and you know obviously that's that's rubbish but it's a movie we gotta play by movie rules yeah and um a, a fight scene ensues between Tom Cruise and John Cena because why not? So like that happens. It reminded me of that part at the the in uh, Idiocracy. Terry Crews is the is the president. That 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 was the 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 vibe I was getting from John Cena in that film. Was, oh was yeah, kind of like yeah, very popular figure who's not like not the smartest guy, but he's at the top of the chain. Yeah, and then Terry Crews crashes through the window and 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 then of uh, course Terry alongside does... John Cena and is like yeah. there can only be one T Crews. <laughs> yeah, and that and that was a big surprise cameo. I hadn't I hadn't expected to see him at all. Yeah, and then Wally Coyote um looks as attorney who's uh who has a name, you know, Will Forte, the attorney has a name that's kind of similar like his name is willie you know yeah i mean it <laughs> uh, seems like a bizarre choice when you've got wiley coyote and, and willie and and the 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 then the actor is will forte it's like it, it, those that's a lot of i mean they make a little joke about them having the same the same name the judge is reading off the the um what do you call him? The, the, the plaintiff? What's, what's the... Yeah. What's the term? It's, like, yeah. It's, actually, it's actually pronounced Coyote. Coyote. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, the judge says, 
the judge says Will E and um, and uh, the and Will Forte's character Willie says it's actually Wiley, and then the judge says his name is as Wiley, and he's and he has to go. No, it's actually Willie, which I thought was, you know, not a not an amazing joke, but they're trying. Right. Um, and John Cena's character, you know, the head of the Acme Corporation, you know, during this fight, he's like, enough. It's time for me to reveal who I really am. And he takes off his mask. Um, and then under the mask is his same exact face. It's like, surprise, yeah. I'm, I'm John Cena. <laughs> it's, it's, like, the, it's the Scooby-Doo <laughs> effect. Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. That was a fun moment. No, it really does just kind of dissolve into chaos by the ending. Yeah, like it's just so ridiculous that like, his mask looks exactly like his own face and people couldn't put two and two together that he was John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. And so uh, because of this, the judge is like, oh, that's fraud, actually. Like, you didn't use your own identity to found this corporation. So yeah, uh, the this case goes in favor of Wally Coyote. <laughs> Which is a little confusing because as an audience, we're already like, oh, yeah, but it is John Cena, right? But, um, yeah, no, the character wasn't John Cena, but he, but he was John Cena. But right, like, like, when he he was, was um, like when he was uh, running the Acme Corporation, he did it under a different name. Um, yeah. Instead Jim, of his own name, John Jim Zena. Yeah. Of the Jim Zenner of the of the Acme Corporation, CEO of the Acme Corporation. Yeah. <laughs> so Wally Coyote wins a lot of money from this case, um, which he uses to he uses some of it to buy a spoon collection to decorate his apartment, which felt kind of like the room in a way i don't know if you ever yeah yeah no with the with the spoon yeah the spoon decoration yeah (laughs) i i think in years to come there's there's gonna be people that will watch this movie like the room because it does have that very like that chaotic attribute to it um so i wonder whether we'll we'll get a similar case of uh spoons being thrown at screens and whatnot yeah but then Wiley looks in the fruit cellar, which I don't know how there's a fruit cellar with this apartment. It doesn't really make that much sense. It it doesn't make sense, but you know, it's it's cartoon logic. We're back in the cartoon world, like yeah, (laughs) yeah. Let's just go with it. Yeah, so he goes in there and he sees the Roadrunner has eaten some of his uh, food that he has in there, and so the chase begins again and off into the sunset and he doesn't learn his lesson yeah no it's it felt like a fitting ending to um to a wily coyote film for sure yeah and potentially the space jam cinematic universe if this is where they choose to end it yeah it may may well be the last of these i mean 
if in the other universe they didn't think it was going to make enough money that they they cancelled it, then uh, I don't know how many more uh, Looney Tunes live action films we're going to be getting. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see. Like, because for us, um, this was gonna come out in summer, but they put out Barbie, and so they put this out like early mm-hmm. November for us. So I guess we'll have to see if the box office numbers are up to their liking because November is not always the best month, you know? Well, it did pretty well opening weekend, so we'll have to see. Right, yeah. So uh, did you have anything else you want to cover before we go into final thoughts and scores? No, I, I, uh, no, I think we covered all the cameos, yeah. All right, so what are your final thoughts, score out of 10, and do you know of measurement for that score for uh, Coyote versus Acme? I'll give it, uh, I'll give it seven Roadrunners out of, out of, out of 11. Because <laughs> there was 7-Eleven product placement. Yeah, there was. Like, like another staple <laughs> of space jam cinematic universe movies is the product placement and there was a lot of that can i wait can i take that back i'm, I'm gonna give it seven out of 11 7 11s okay nice <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh yeah i think i'm also i was also thinking seven um although i guess I, I'm going out of 10 just to be traditional. A 7 out of 10. Yeah. So my score is just a little bit lower than yours. Yeah, so 7 out of 10 rooms. Because uh, there were rooms in this movie, and that's also the score I would give yeah. the room, as I previously there's a lot of about. There's a lot of rooms in, in a lot of movies. You could almost say it's a cliche at this point. Yeah, there should be more <laughs> movies that don't have any rooms whatsoever, just completely outdoors. I, you know, I can't. I don't think I can think of a, a single movie without a room in it. Which um, it really, truly makes that the ultimate cliche, doesn't it? Yeah, just start the outdoors cinematic universe. Like it's a <laughs> movement that needs to happen. Touch some grass. Yeah. <laughs> Touch some grass. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> Oh, actually, does Gravity, like, you know, that movie where Sandra Bullock's in space, does she ever go in a room in that movie? Yeah, because they start outside the space station. They Uh, do end up going back on a ship, though. So uh, I guess that's a room. Yeah, I I think that, like, uh, if there is a movie that's completely outdoors, it would probably have to be, like, one of those, like, trapped somewhere or like disaster Mm. outside type of movies but i just don't know like if there's one that's completely oh uh, what's what's the one uh 127 hours is that it yeah but if that one begins like at his oh it begins in a room uh yeah if that one did come to mind but i was like yeah there's a room in there yeah uh Let's see if Google knows the answer. Are there any movies without any rooms? <laughs> movies with no rooms. 
No, that's not helpful. I don't think maybe if we search movies that are completely outdoors. Uh, I did did think of Happy Feet, but he eventually gets put captive in one of those um, zoo things. So I think that's a room. Does. No, Castaway has stuff at the end. Um, Yeah. The Revenant, that might be no rooms. Can't think of any rooms in that movie. Yeah, that's a movie where I'm like, I should probably watch that at some point, but I just never get around to watching it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I'm also thinking maybe Swiss Army Man doesn't have any rooms. Oh, that that one was wild. Um, Yeah, because they do end up going to the city toward the end, though, I think, so... But I can't remember if I don't know whether they go inside. inside. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I think they just kind of. And I think midway through the movie, there is like a treehouse type thing, but maybe walls. Like I don't think it is completely closed with all of the walls. So like, yeah, what what it depends on what we're defining as a room, then doesn't it? Yeah, (laughs) because if they're not like closed off with walls. See, that could have been a movie with no rooms, but they botched it. Yeah, (laughs) that's a really absurd movie. Like, I I don't know if it's necessarily like if I would necessarily call it good, but just putting it on for the reactions, like to see what people Mm -hmm. think is truly worth it, I I would think. It's Uh, a fun one. And I, I mean, people love uh everything everywhere all at once which the daniels went on to do so i i think oh yeah that's it a shows film it shows a strong start for their feature feature making career i think um yeah even even if they maybe haven't quite channeled the weirdness into something that's like quite as uh digestible I suppose, as as everything everywhere at once is. Right. And even then, it's like (laughs) that movie is so it goes so many places. I'm like, is digestible the right word for it? You know? Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's it's certainly it's certainly weird, but I don't think it loses you like like in terms of like plotting. It's like, oh, yeah, right. I know yeah. where I am. <laughs> like, I, well, I do think there are uh, some viewers who get confused about where they are in the multiverse and like what's going on. But I feel yeah. like because of the emotion of it, like the emotion of it is what really grounds it for me. Yeah, at least. And and I think that's that's more so what I mean is like it, you whether or not you're following like who's from where or is it doesn't really matter that much. Like. It is more the fact that that the, those emotional beats I think do read much better than than Swiss Army Man does. But that's not to say that Swiss Army Man's a bad film by any means. I think I think they learn a lot from doing it. Yeah, I like how we got on all these tangents, which is truly a testament to how Coyote versus Acme is kind of just fine, kind of mill. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a seven out of eleven film. Yeah, like it had some fun moments and cameos here and there, but um, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I kind of expected more after hearing like the early 
reactions, like people behind the scenes praising it and whatnot. But it was just yeah. fine. I, I, we wouldn't have lost that much, I feel like, if uh, if this one had been left on the on the um, on the, uh, the 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 never to be released. Uh, uh, well, words are failing me. Words are failing me. The uh, oh, I was thinking like the, the uh, room floor. On the cutting room floor. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> you found my words. I left them right there on the cutting room floor. Yeah, I mean, next like, to, talk about... Next, uh, next to the Wile E. Coyote film. Yeah, I mean, talk about the Disney vault. There might as well be a WB vault with, like, the big old WB logo on the door, you know? <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. That's where some, all the tax write-offs go. Yeah, I got some <laughs> shelves of VHS tapes in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I guess that'll do it. Thanks again for joining me, Max. Uh, do you have like anything you want to plug? Like, oh, you're, I don't know, like an Instagram handle or something? Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I, I guess I'm just making, making art and uh, animations and, and, uh, comic which I'm hoping to release in a few months when I can finish it. Uh, you can find all of that on uh, Noxtar Owl at Noxtar Owl on Instagram. Uh, I'm also on Twitter but I don't post there and I'm somewhere on YouTube. I forget what my handle is for that. So you can probably find it on my Instagram. Yeah and I'll put it in the <laughs> show notes. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Stephen. This has been a lot of fun. Love talking, yeah. uh, talking all the latest releases with you. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I've also not been using Twitter that much. But, well, I went like a couple weeks without posting much on there. But I feel like a little bit recently I posted a bit more. But I'll probably like... I don't know if it comes in waves or what, but it's just yeah. like, yeah, Twitter's kind of dead. It's it's yeah. it's gone downhill, and uh, I think so, we all kind of want to see it burn in a way. Yeah, like... Part of us. <laughs> yeah, like, yesterday or the other day, I saw someone in a Discord server refer to a tweet as an article, and I just... A part of me died inside, like, hearing that. <laughs> Like equating a tweet with an article. And yeah, just... as if as if it takes the same effort or something. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the two hundred characters that you put like two ounces of thought into yeah. versus uh, an article. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and Threads is kind of a desert. I, I don't know if I, that's <laughs> ever picking up. But... That one's not starting. Yeah. 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 It's the opposite problem. Yeah. I kind of feel like they should have waited until they'd worked out all the algorithm stuff. And mm. like, if they had launched much later, like, uh, I think they still would have been fine. Like Twitter's like still dying. So it's like threads won't have had much to worry about. Yeah. I guess it's one of those things where it's like how you don't know whether it's going to be, you know, dying for that long. So I guess they were, I think I guess they were they were anticipating it not to not to fail quite as much as it has, um, and so rushing out threads as as they did 
made logical sense because they were like, yeah, we gotta we gotta capitalize on on the Twitter dying uh whole Twitter dying trend and yeah, you know, it's like wrong Twitter. And yeah, then hopefully like it'll die die a little quicker. Yeah, it's like some movie studio rushing out a similar release uh absolutely because the other studio seems to be getting a bad reputation and just capitalizing yeah. on that success but, and success yeah no yeah. in this case failure and failure yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that'll do it and uh next episode will be about community the movie so that'll be a fun one to do as well wow and, that's exciting i didn't know that was coming out yes <laughs> Hey, hashtag six seasons and a movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that'll do it. And without further delay, have a good day. All right. So at Stephen Schinder, Instagram, the Reds, X, whatever. Uh, Stephen Schinder storytelling on Facebook. StephenSchinder.com. Uh, find my novels, uh, the Standalones and Stepping Stones series, both on Amazon. Follow me on Goodreads and Letterboxd. And find me on Yes Shift, which I do with my dad, uh, talking about Yes and with some of their members or associates. We actually recently interviewed Trevor Rabin again, one of Yes's guitarists, who's also done scores for lots of movies. And we are reviewing a couple things in the near future and also uh, some more interviews down the line. So keep an eye for those. And you can email the podcast via delayedreplaypodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on... John Cena. I don't know. And now is my other self talking about a couple things uh, in non-spoilery detail. And he'll give a warning when or if he does go into spoilers. So here he is. Hey everyone, it's me again from that other universe. So yeah, it turns out there was some stuff for me to talk about at the end of this one. Uh, last time, I kind of gave a little update on superhero stuff. Um, just a bit ago, I actually watched the Invincible Season 2 mid-season finale. Now, no spoilers, but they really kept the tensions high and really curious to see where this will go. Apparently, this is on a break for, I guess, a couple months. I haven't really looked up the date, so just look it up. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, you know, since this is on the Coyote versus Acme episode, talking a little bit animation, a little bit live action. Um, I saw that the Ardman Studios, you know, the company that makes claymations like Wallace and Gromit, and they've done Chicken Run and uh, some other stuff. Uh, apparently, the factory that makes the clay that they use is shutting down so they only have one more film left after this next chicken run movie and it'll be a wallace and gromit movie kind of surprising i didn't realize how not so easy to come by clay is uh for the studio apart from just that one factory like i don't know it's kind of weird for me to wrap my head around so 
Um, I actually suggested to some people that maybe the Wallace and Gromit movie that they're making should be about Wallace, uh, you know, running out of cheese. You know, maybe there's, you know, I know this isn't how things work, but a, a cheese factory shuts down and he only has enough cheese to make a movie um, out of a cheese, you know, using clay, using cheese instead of clay and the Wallace, it, you know, from Wallace's perspective, like in universe and yeah, you know, just something stupid like that. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was kind of, be kind of funny meta idea in a way, but yeah, also kind of sad if Ardman is done after this. Now, theoretically, you know, people have said they could just switch to 3D animation like they did with Flushed Away, but I don't know. I don't know what the future is of the company. Um, but in terms of live action, so just past the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who, the 60th anniversary special, the first of them anyway, is going to air the same day that this episode comes out. So no thoughts on that yet, but the preview clip was pretty cool. Uh, Beep the Meep looks amazing, like amazing work of, I guess, puppetry and animatronics, if I'm not mistaken, and the voice sounds pretty good. So very excited for that. And, you know, the people kept saying Happy Thanksgiving. And I was like, now it's Doctor Who Day, um, you know, November 23rd. And so I celebrated my own way, you know, reading a couple of Doctor Who things and listening to a couple Doctor Who things. If you follow me on Goodreads, you know what I've been going through. And yeah, just really curious to see what the future of the series is you know it's ever so close um and yeah so um i guess this little segment now will be kind of leo versus good burger 2 uh because leo is animated and good burger 2 is live action and they both came out the same week within like a day apart i think uh, for those who don't know, Leo is a 3D animated movie about a lizard who's like a classroom pet, and he's 74, and he overhears someone say, oh, 75 is the lifespan, and so he has like an existential crisis, and apparently animals can speak English, and he decides to reveal this to each of the students one by one, but ends up giving them advice and the, it's a strange film you know um without spoiling like it feels very much like adam sandler's own attempt at a sort of b movie you know like the jerry seinfeld b movie from dreamworks like i had like a similar feel watching this it's kind of mamey in a way uh there's even a musical number where you know, in musicals, you see the characters do these, like, fantastical things. And it's like, oh, this is just in their head. But in the movie, it's like, oh, th these things actually, like, were dancing around in the musical number. So there are a few musical numbers throughout. Um, I think they're pretty short, though. So I don't know if people would be, like, put off by musical numbers. But I feel like they weren't pretty... They weren't really 
long. Um, yeah, like this is not an eight crazy nights situation. You know, I know people have different opinions on eight crazy nights, but Leo is PG. It doesn't get too vulgar. Um, but again, like I said, there is like some B movie level humor where it's PG, but there are a few adult jokes in there and they're not so subtle. So it's kind of weird. Uh, but yeah, I'd say it's worth checking out. Um, I was kind of like struggling with a score for it, but I I'm feeling like maybe it's a, um, uh, maybe seven or 7.25 out of 10 squirtles. And I say squirtles because squirtle is the name of the class pet turtle in the movie voiced by Bill Burr. Yeah, he's in this too. Um, the kids were funny, like just the voice acting and like the way that the humans move is kind of funny to me in, in a way and where they go, how they travel. Um, what's kind of off-putting though is the really young kids, like the super young ones, look like a caricatures from some like video game that's just for people with low attention spans like they, they look like the little kids you know not the main kids of uh, the li little kids that you see here and there like once in a while in the movie feel like something that would be put in the emoji movie so yeah but this isn't terrible like the emoji movie like this is a movie you know leo i thought it was fine and it even has a nice message at the end surprisingly so it's definitely worth checking out it's on netflix um so yeah and the other thing that came out uh the day after that so uh, basically was good burger 2 you know the long awaited and i say awaited in air quotes sequel to the 1997 classic again in air quotes uh good burger 1 is something that my brother and I grew up watching, you know, renting it from the video store and just the humor of it is just these running gags that became like inside jokes to us. And it has its charm. Um, if you watch it, like when you're much older, maybe some of it doesn't age well, definitely not the mental institution stuff, but just in terms of the overall feel, of it, you know, my experience with it. The original is probably an 8 out of 10 that adds sauces for me. Uh, so the new one, it came out, um, and Arby's even did, like, the Good Burger 2 meal, which consisted of a Wagyu burger that has, like, the orange sauce on it. I guess it's, like, you know, that type of burger sauce that you see, and it's kind of the same color as the Ed sauce, I guess. Uh, crinkle cut fries and a strawberry milkshake. So, got like that was a whole thing. You know, the uh, when I get milkshakes, I don't typically go for strawberry, but I was reminded that strawberry milkshakes are pretty good, and the Wagyu burger was really good too. Delicious. And crinkle cut fries are kind of average french fry fare but as for the movie itself a good burger 2 came out 26 years after the original so 
similar gap uh, comparable to Twin Peaks, you know, the original series and then the return series. Um, I don't get why, you know, I see people's thoughts on this movie on Good Burger 2, like on Letterboxd, for example, and I don't get why people were maybe expecting... Like, I don't know, like, I see people say that this is too stupid, or that it's, I I don't, like, I don't know why people expect movies like Good Burger 2 and Space Jam A New Legacy, like, why people are surprised that they are how they are, when the originals were not masterpieces, you know, and it really is just nostalgia that fuels how much people enjoy those originals that when really those were strange uh cameo product placement filled movies from the 90s that feel very of the time and just like people latched on to them so i i never got why people were tough on space jam a new legacy when it was kind of doing uh, it, it was very much in the spirit of the original but kind of different in some ways and i i feel the same way with Good Burger 2. It was very much in the spirit of the original. Um, although the humor, I, I don't think there's anything here that'll age terribly. Very early on, there are some things that feel like a repeat of certain gags from the original, which you kind of expect with this type of movie. You know, the movie it is not dishonest about what it is, but I do feel like there are some things that aren't a complete retread. Uh, you know, you got a new set of co-workers, which makes sense, you know, it's years later, so they'd all be different, well, almost all different. Uh, there's a couple of identical sisters, so they're part of the gang now, and they're kind of hit and miss, I would say, with the jokes with them. There's an old lady instead of old Otis from the original. Uh, she was okay, I guess. Um, but, you know, the real, you know, major, well, I guess I'd be going into spoilers if I revealed, but uh, I'll try to cover general stuff first. So there are some similar but also different things about this set of co-workers and I think it generally works and I also feel like you know Ed and Dexter feel like themselves but not to the point where what you know there's no flanderization going on there's no character assassination going on it does feel like they've grown at least a bit since we last saw them uh like they're not static but they're also not you know they haven't moved too far from where they were before and when imagining this type of sequel to the original good burger I, I, there were times when i imagined that one could make a sequel that's set many years later and it's kind of like clerks 2 or waiting or still waiting where um they're still working at the restaurant maybe they're kind of depressed about feeling left behind by the world as life is moving all around them. And, you know, with those types of movies, there can be mixed results. But 
you know, it's a good burger. Like, you don't need to get that deep. I don't know if that's maybe what some people were expecting. You know, I, I did not feel that that's what this movie needed to be. You know, this is a hangout movie. You know, it's in the lyrics of the song, you know, we're all dudes. Just hanging out, just having fun. You know, that's the spirit of the movie. It's It doesn't feel... To, like I, I know that with these types of movies it can feel desperate but to me it feels like hey they're hanging out making another one of these movies and it's um you know it's just they're just hanging out having fun and very much in the spirit of the original but also adding bits of new stuff here and there and i should also mention that there's a certain creator whose name i did not see in the credits of this so I don't know what the story is there. I know he co-wrote the original movie and maybe didn't necessarily create the characters from all that. Like, I don't know. I don't know how the rights stuff really works, but I did notice that. I'm sure people have heard the stuff, you know, from Nickelodeon's uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, especially from Jeanette McCurdy's uh excellent memoir i'm glad my mom died and she has a new podcast out called hard feelings which is an excellent listen if you're gonna take a you know if i'm gonna recommend like any of these couple of things i mentioned it definitely hard feelings it's a great list and i'm her memoir i'm glad my mom died it's so good especially i listened to the audiobook of that last year and she's open and brave and honest and yeah so um it it can color your view of some of those past nickelodeon things and um but all that said good burger 2 definitely felt like it felt like the characters it felt natural uh well as natural as that world can be it was not zoe 102 you know the less said about that the better um, it had a better grip on the characters than iCarly did. I really feel like that flanderized uh, at least a couple of the characters. Um, and, you know, I'm not mourning the cancellation of that. I know it ended on a cliffhanger, but I'm, you know, all things considered, like, yeah, I'm not upset about that ending. And so Good Burger 2, I feel like, had the... You know, the possibility was there for it to be completely terrible, but I feel like it was fine. I felt like the original, like, maybe slightly less good than the original, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, I think I'd also give this about a 7.25 out of 10 uh, ads. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so, I don't know, I guess if I'm making this a Leo versus Good Burger 2 thing, um, I have, like, this list that I write about, you know, ranking the movies I've seen from this year, and I did put Leo three slots above Good Burger 2, um, even though they're pretty much, like, similar scores. Like, I feel like if I were to go super micro, like even more decimal places, then I would see that Good Burger 2 might be lower than Leo. Like, 
Good Burger 2, I, I feel like I'm thinking about it more, and it's because I'm so used to the main characters. You know, Dexter and Ed, Keenan and Kel. But I think the majority of people uh, will probably get more out of Leo, if I'm being quite honest. Like, I feel like going into Good Burger 2, you have to already be in on, like, what Good Burger is. And I don't necessarily know that everyone is in on what that's like. Whereas Leo is standalone, and I think uh, people will go in and be like, wait, what? In ways good and maybe kind of bad, but definitely surprising. Uh, there's... There are very few movies like Leo, but Good Burger 2 does some interesting things. It, it actually makes a commentary on AI, you know, there's been some stuff about, you know, this debate about using AI in the film industry and using actors' likenesses or replacing their voices or faces and whatever, and Good Burger 2, that's part of the plot, you know, these robots that look like uh, these you know, like Ed and putting them in new uh, Good Burgers. And, you know, that's a whole thing. And some of the villain stuff does feel a bit like a retread. But again, this is a Hangout movie, and I don't think it ruins the characters as we know them, you know? Uh, so I guess I'll get into spoilers for Good Burger 2 now. Um, and, you know, that's on Paramount+. Plus. So I don't know if I mentioned that, but... Yeah, so um, the co-workers, uh, one of the other co-workers is Dexter's niece. And there was a falling out between Dexter and his sister, and so his niece resents him. Uh, Dexter's new job, you know, he's an inventor, basically, and one of his inventions goes wrong. And it was kind of wild because I was listening to the new episode of Hard Feelings, you know, the Jeanette McCurdy podcast where her, she mentions where her assistant uh, left, like decided to quit or whatever. And early in this movie, Dexter's assistant quits after his invention goes wrong. And yeah, so that was kind of trippy. Um, Ed, you know, owns Good Burger and surprisingly he has a family and a bunch of like he has a bunch of kids and they're all pretty much like him they dress in a good burger uniform and they look like him uh at first it almost looks like they're say saying that roxanne is ed's wife i think that would have been a bridge too far with the fan service uh but no it's this newer woman character named Edie. You know, her name sounds like his name. Um, yeah, this movie doesn't go into as much fan service as you would think. The woman, you know, the girl that Ed met at the asylum in the first movie, maybe some people thought, oh, they'll end up together, but no, that does not end up being the case. And again, like, you know, that little subplot was kind of an age wall, so... And Monique, you know, Dexter's love interest in the first movie, it makes sense that they're not together, because realistically, you know, they just knew each other as teenagers, and I think it's very rare that a relationship like that would last this long. 
So Dexter is still kind of doing his money-making schemes, and then he's down on his luck and decides to go see Ed, his friend, which, you know, he hasn't seen him in almost six years, but I think it's not conveyed as, like, a sad thing, you know. It's not like, oh, I haven't seen him in 26 years. It's it's realistic. You know, there are some good friends that I have that I haven't seen in person in a few years, but we're still friends. And when Dexter sees Ed, you know, he's trying to see if he can get help, you know, investment and his inventions, but he seems really happy to be with his friend again. And when the possibility arises that uh, this other business person or entity or whatever is thinking of opening up more good burgers, like, you know, franchising the place and, you know, they are told all the perks of what that would entail. It seems like Dexter is convinced that this will make Ed happy and not just himself. So I, and he doesn't like seek out trying to sell good burger like right away it's you know this guy approaches him and tells him oh you guys will get this everyone will keep their jobs uh, yada 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 and it seems like a really good deal that'll benefit everyone so it's not as selfish as what dexter tries in the first movie with that contract to get most of ed's money uh here if he seems like he genuinely thinks he's helping Ed in addition to himself. So I do think there has been some growth for Dexter. But of course, things go wrong. Uh, they don't read the contract before signing, which admittedly, that's pretty stupid. Uh, I feel like they could have written it a different way, like have them read a contract that seems pleasing to them and then have them get distracted by something and they quickly switch out the contract and have them sign that, thinking it's the original. Uh, you know, just better call Saul this thing, basically. Um, but, yeah, that, that's a little nitpick. But it fuels a conflict. Uh, the co-workers have more to do, I guess. Oh, Fizz from the original gets unfrozen. Like, apparently he got frozen in the freezer, and he gets unfrozen. He's still alive, but he somehow still aged, like, the science behind this does not make sense, but it, it's a good burger movie, and it was nice seeing him, and he's just there, like, very briefly, you know, it's the uh, the new co-workers are the ones who get involved in the plan to save Good Burger, and uh, you know, they get stuff to do, and oh, there's also, like, this nervous uh, boss-looking guy like this young guy who um yeah I, I think he was an interesting addition as well to the good burger team and i i liked seeing that they all just hang out you know ed just has them all hang out at the roller skate rink or whatever like it seems like they all genuinely enjoy each other's company and it's really nice it's you know this is fast food and comfort food it's a fast food movie it's not top tier uh, your, um, I don't know, what's a fancy restaurant? I don't know, I think you know what I'm getting at. It's a fast food movie, 
And so it has fast food quality. So you go in, go out, you enjoy this thing, even if it's not the best, but it's, it's comfort food, you know? And I, I thought that, you know, the conclusion is kind of similar to the original, but it has some different aspects as well. And it was fun to watch. I did not feel like I wasted my time. You know, I, I, it's not that high of a score. It's a fine movie. But, you know, I I enjoyed the ride. It, and the cameos, you know, some I recognized, some I didn't. Uh, I feel like they're par for the course, given the cameos in the original. And during the credits, you see these outtakes and whatnot, or like, additional scenes, you know, part of the denouement, I guess you could say. One of these uh, little bits, uh, Kel says, in Good Burger 3, we're going into space. And even if he's joking, I wouldn't be surprised if they do something like that. If they do, I think I'd prefer that it be their descendants and it's in the far future. So a little bit of a clean slate. You could hear, like, from them, like what happened with Dexter and Ed a long time ago as a little update before moving on to their story. Maybe Keenan and Kel swap roles with Kel as the smarter one and Keenan as the one who is causing all these ridiculous things to happen, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the goofball. Um, Kind of like what the world's ended with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, you know, flipping their roles that we were so used to. But if that never happens, if we don't get a good Burger 3, you know, if we don't necessarily need it. But I was, I had fun with Good Burger 2. Like, it was fun enough, you know. It was what it you would expect. It was about as good as you'd expect this type of movie to be. And surprisingly, not terrible, in my opinion. But, hey, people will say it is, and I guess they have different tastes, different expectations, but I thought it was fine. So yeah, those are my thoughts, and without further delay, have a good day.